deep in London's beating heart lies a wall I'd like do it be if you know the call For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see Cause the wizard world is opened up as has the Griffin. Hello everyone and welcome to Shriekcast, no longer a Harry Potter reread podcast I'm your host ZC And I'm Liz. And Liz, we have been away for a week in the middle of a pretty exciting, I would say, stretch of this book, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I was so excited to keep reading after our last episode, um, and now I have to admit that as excited as I was to read what we are discussing this week... Uh, at the time, I did have to like reread the entire thing last night because I forgot all of it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> a lot's been going on. We had, we had we had a busy a busy week. Um, a lot going on, and uh, I think that the pace of Hunger Games is definitely a like you got to keep going, otherwise it's like a in one ear out the other type situation. So um, sort of like Maximum Ride? It's a little like Maximum Ride, which uh, that's another thing that I really want to get back to at some point. Um, that's right. I've, I've really got to get back to that. But uh, how have you been? What have you been up to over the past week? How's, how's Strings Club been going? Strings Club is great. Um, did I mention on the last episode that I have a recital coming up for my Strings Club? Y- you mentioned that, y- yeah, in like October, right? Yeah, yeah. They they got me good within the first five minutes. It was like, welcome. Uh, by the way, we're performing in October. And I'm how's, like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. How's how's prep for that going? Or like, do you have a, a, a like re- repertoire lined up already? Or are you all sort of working through that? Uh, so we, we do have a lineup. Um, I think that we're like narrowing down which songs we want to do, but I'm the kind of person where I am immediately like, okay, but we need to be meeting like three times a week, not just (laughs) one time a week. Like we gotta, we gotta get this shit nailed down. We gotta get our shit together. (laughs) Which pieces are you working on? Um, I think the funniest one is, um, the masterpiece theater song. Oh, wait, that. Do, do 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 that one the uh yeah 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 that okay i mean that's that's great uh i've always associated that more with like horns that's more of like a horns piece i think well not this time ooh a little a little cover version that's going to be exciting i <laughs> yeah. it's so funny that that's what you're working on because i've been watching downton abbey again recently and that has that at the beginning of it that's a oh that's funny yeah that's a that's a a masterpiece theater show that's really fun Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. uh because you mentioned that uh the the like desires of the group kind of skew more towards like stuff from stuff right like like more than classical like Yes, yes, yeah. it's stuff from stuff, although um, the Masterpiece Theater one is at least like in the Venn diagram of my interests and in that it is kind of fun to play. Yeah. Um, it, it, the other kind of, but yeah, it's the we want to play the Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> song type type vibe. Are you playing the Pirates of the Caribbean theme? No, we are not, but maybe after our recital, we'll pick that one up. <laughs> I have already played a Pirates of the Caribbean medley when I was in, mm-hmm. like, ninth grade, um, mm-hmm. so it'll be a return to form for me. Uh, so, uh, in the in the week that we have been away, I have been reconfiguring my soundboard. 
And hmm. you mentioning one being being in the strings club, which is very very exciting, and two your 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 anecdote about the um, the uh, 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 classical versus music from stuff thing. Uh, mm-hmm has has led me towards a little game that I'd like to propose for our first segment this week. Ooh. Um, because I think it would be, like, really kind of unfair and boring to, like, play you a bunch of classical music and be like, okay, so is this Handel? Who is this, right? Like... I would fail utterly. <laughs> it would be... That would be uh, uh, no fun for the audience and, and, and I think, unfair to you as the player. But I did come up with a, a different idea that I think... Uh, will be fun and is a little more fitting um, for this discussion, which is, is this classical music or is it from something? (laughs) Um, uh, And I I think that just, just to like get some ground rules here, when I say classical music, it can be like modern, but you know, it was it a, was it a like symphony first right is this written right. to be its own musical thing versus a soundtrack or 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 something in a, a a movie or whatever um what what do you say sure i have no idea how i'm going to do on this i i've chosen some that i think i think you'll be all right with uh i i i think i i i've skewed towards things that you will recognize probably even Perhaps. if they're not in the form that you're used to hearing it, if that makes sure. sense. Um, okay, shall I shall I take us away? Do you want to? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so here's here's our first one. This this one should be an easy one, I think. Is that original or from something? Oh no, I'm gonna be so bad at this. <laughs> there's, there's some. Ah uh, no, um, this is supposed to be the easy one. I, I thought so. It's from something. No. No. no who is it? That's Bach. That's, oh, Bach. That's Bach. That's that's I a guess, classic. That's a classic, and it's one of the. Actually, I guess it's not literally a Brandon one of the Brandenburg concertos but it's always on the CD with the Brandenburg concertos here's the here's the problem is that they put this stuff in stuff you know what that I mean is true that is true that is that is a a, a a wrinkle here for sure everyone is about to find out that I'm like completely music music blind I I, I swear I've got some in here that are that are gonna that you're gonna be able to get for sure a hundred percent. Okay, okay. Let's go for number two here. This one doing anything? Yeah, this is some RPG overworld shit right there. You are very close. (laughs) You're very close. That's Zora's Domain from Ocarina of Time. I am just like completely music blind, aren't I? Well, no, well, but you did the important thing. You were uh, you identified that that was some video game ass music right there. Yeah, true. You got it. I think you- that I overthought the first one where I was just like, I thought I was being tricked. You know? No, I, there's not much in here. I did to, as a trick. These are all pretty. I, I, there, there might be one or two tricks in here, but. 
<laughs> or maybe just one. I don't know. Sure. But no, these are the I'm I, this is above board. This is above board. But we're just we're just determining classical or not. Mm-hmm. How about this one? Beautiful. I'm going to call that classical. That is classical. It is Violin Concerto in D Major by Joseph Ballone. So yeah, you're two for three. You're two for three. Never going to recover from the Bach embarrassment. (laughs) Okay, let's try this one. My first thought is classical, but then I'm like, I'm sure I'm being tricked somehow. I don't recognize it, if that helps, which makes me think it's from something. It does kind of have a little bit of a jaunty RPG-ness to it, doesn't it? I'm sorry. I keep being like, no, this is clearly fake classical, right? <laughs> the, 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 the game hinges on how well modern composers can imitate classical music here right right and then doesn't that just make it classical music that's true that's true which is why the line that i'm drawing is that was it written for a movie or game or something or you know a pop song or whatever versus versus this was a this is a symphony you can go see okay um i will go with my first instinct and say it is classical and maybe maybe modern classical you are you are correct that it is classical it is it is stab at mater by pergolisi very jaunty yeah very jaunty on to the next one let's give this one a shot some undertale shit right there <laughs> um <laughs> you're close you're so close you are correct that is modern <laughs> it's not undertale though yeah but it's some undertale shit for sure <laughs> That is a string quartet rendition of Thank You for the Venom by My Chemical Romance. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this, this is my redemption for not recognizing Bach, which is that I listen to My Chemical Romance literally all of the time, at least once a week. Like for real, uh-huh. and you can play me a My Chemical Romance song, and I'll be like, "Is this Undertale?" <laughs> I was sure that would be the gimme one, and you did get it right. But I, the, but you know what? It is Undertale shit, really. It is, or or is Undertale My Chemical Romance? You know. Some that makes sense. I I, I think <laughs> you, you listen to my chemical romance and it is some Undertale shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, on to this one. 
wonderful. <sighs> on the one hand, sounds classical. On the other hand, sounds like underwater level. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go classical. Ooh, that was from the Succession soundtrack. <laughs> Does that take place underwater? <laughs> You know what? Actually, water very very important to to the sh- <laughs> being underwater big big theme in that show. So mm-hmm. you, I will say, you know what? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> underwater level for sure. I couldn't remember if you'd seen that show or not, and I I didn't know if I that have would not. be too easy or not. Yeah, no, under underwater big big part of the show. I'll say you're right on two counts there. Thank you. All right, let's try this one. No high school repertoire anywhere. That is classical music. No, Damn no, it. I'm so Damn sorry. It. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's Umineko. Once again, literally playing Umineko. I know. <laughs> like now. I, I feel so bad. I was okay, like, I gotta I throw some gimmies in here. I'll throw in I'll throw in my chemical romance. I'll throw in Umineko. I think I think we're all discovering something about me right now. <laughs> That uh, that is a uh, like amateur quartet performance of it. So you were right. You, your instinct was completely correct there. <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> I'll get the other easy one out of the way here. Sure. Or the one that I thought was going to be easy. Um. Some Hollow Knight shit? Oh, okay. You're right. I mean, you're right. It's modern. You're right. It's modern, but it's Spice and Wolf. Oh. Yeah. Sure. This is all the stuff that I picked because I was like, this will be recognizable. But I (laughs) do not recognize (laughs) music. (laughs) But you can play it really good, so. Yes, I'm a performer. I'm yeah. a I'm a math I'm a math musician. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's in, in one ear out the other. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I've got I've got two more. Two more here. Classical sounds like Fantasia to me. That is classical. That is Schoenberg, um, mm-hmm. which I think might Schoenberg and Fantasia. I think it might. Uh-huh. I, think, I think that might be okay. And now one more here, and this one is is uh, this was the trick one, but <laughs> maybe I'll get it. I won't say in which direction. It sounds like the X-Files theme to me. (laughs) So let me go classical. Okay, yes, classical. That is classical. That is uh, Philip Glass Islands, so modern classical. Mm -hmm. So I will play one more clip because here is the trick. Okay. Here is another clip of John Williams' score for Attack of the Clones 
Return to Tatooine. <laughs> and I was wondering if I could maybe catch you out here, but... But, but no, you did not, you did not know <laughs> that I would think it was the X-Files theme. <laughs> oh, wonderful. I am so sorry to put you through that. I did not know that you were <laughs> music blind. <laughs> oh, but that was fun. <laughs> And actually, you got whether they were modern or, or old pretty good, actually. Yeah, and I gotta say, for the Bach one, as someone who does not recognize music as demonstrated, I thought I was being tricked. So I was like, this is classical. And then I'm like, oh, it must not be. Right. right? I, was, I was playing you something like emulating Bach really well. Exactly. Yeah, that's totally possible. Um I have, I have no excuse for the My Chemical <laughs> Romance one, though. I was, I was like, I gotta put some ones in here that are just like being nice. Like, come on, here's, 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 <laughs> here's. Thank you for the venom. Um, I had a really funny experience setting all this up because I like, I, I completely forgotten how to route all the sound stuff to get the soundboard working, and I watched this YouTube video of a guy explaining how to do it, you know, just like one of those amazing, like vi videos of, 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 of one guy made that has like 6 million views because of Google results mm -hmm. for a very specific thing. Um, and the example he used was he said that he produced a podcast for someone's HOA. Like, Oh my God. And, and <laughs> he, his, his example was this like, theme song he's like you know if you want to drop your theme song into the into your podcast like i did for this hoa podcast uh you, you just put it here and routed all this and here you go and and honest to god this was the theme song for this hoa show there's a beautiful day like i'm so <laughs> sad because he cuts it off there and i'm like i want to know how it rhymes with hoa that's right <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> oh, I love I love podcasting. Yeah. We've got a we've got a quite a hefty pair of chapters to get into. So what do you say we get into our discussion for the week? Yeah, let's do it. I'm uh, looking at my notes right now, and I don't mm -hmm. know how I wrote so much, because I don't think very much happened, really. <laughs> I mean, a lot happened, right? But I'm just like... Yeah. Geez, this is a long summary. So mm -hmm. I will I will jump right into it. Um, uh, chapter five. Uh, last time on the Hunger Games, uh, a man has been shot after Katniss's defiant speech. When Peta and Katniss reunite with Effie, Hamish, and company, they don't know what has happened. The TV cut out after Katniss's speech. Peta kind of waves it off to Effie and says that there was uh, the gunfire that they heard was actually just a car backfiring. Um, but then they hear two more shots, um, and that's when Hamish pulls Katniss and Peta aside and away from any surveillance, hopefully, uh, by dragging them to an unused area in the Justice Building. Katniss and Hamish fill Peta in on everything with President Snow, uh, his threats and his ultimatum about Katniss helping him to quell the uprisings. Peta becomes... I did write this. Peta becomes a whiny little bitch and starts throwing things. <laughs> 
He's mad that they keep hiding things from him. Hamish and Katniss agree to not hide anything from PETA going forward, and Hamish says outright that he had picked Katniss to try to win the Hunger Games. Uh, it's time for them to go to fancy dinner. Before they go in, PETA asks a question about Katniss's whole explanation to him earlier. Did she only kiss Gail the one time? There's a victory tour montage for us where they go to dinners, go on train rides, accept ceremonial gifts, etc. Uh, so, so much for our victory tour, victory tour book. Um, while they're on the tour, Katniss notices a change in the air. When people shout her name, they do it with defiance and fury in their voice. Panem seems like a pot that is about to boil over. Uh, one thing that does develop during the tour is that Katniss has terrible nightmares and can't sleep, so she ends up sleeping with Peeta platonically, and they get used to that routine, uh, and they think that the rumors can only work in their favor. Once they are done on the tour and back in their quarters at the training center uh, in the capital, uh, Katniss uh, proposes her idea. They do a televised marriage proposal. Peta agrees, but kind of mopes about it. On TV, Peta proposes. She accepts. President Snow makes an impromptu visit on the show to congratulate them. But when he leans in to give Katniss a hug, she expresses an unspoken question and he shakes his head no. Their act was not enough. Uh, chapter six. Katniss, instead of feeling despair at President Snow declaring her act not to have been enough, she is relieved. It's time to take action instead of playing his game, uh, now that she has lost his game. Uh, she thinks about escaping with everyone into the woods. Uh, but first, there is a big banquet to attend, and she's going to have a bite of everything that is on offer. Uh, when she's full, her stylists show her that she doesn't have to stop eating. She can just drink the juice that makes you vomit. Uh, and everyone there is doing it. Katniss is rather outraged by this, to say the least, but she expresses to Peta that they've brought them there to do a child battle royale, so it's probably not the worst thing they've done to them so far. Uh, Peta expresses that maybe they were wrong to try to subdue the districts. Katniss tells him to shut up and save it for when they're home. Uh, Plutarch Heavensby, the head game maker, asks Katniss for a dance. They chit-chat about the games and the banquet, but Katniss thinks the guy must be pretty evil to make the Hunger Games. Uh, he checks his watch and says he has to go. But his watch has an interesting holographic mockingjay that matches Katniss's pin. Katniss merch has been all the rage, though, so it's probably nothing. The dinner is over and it's back on the train. She goes to bed with Peta as per usual, and when she wakes up, he reveals that she didn't have any nightmares. Once they are back home, there is a party at the mayor's house. Katniss lets the reader know that since she has returned from the Hunger Games, she has become pretty good friends with Madge, the mayor's daughter, uh, and she's the one that gave her the Mockingjay pin in the first place. Uh, Katniss is getting ready uh, for dinner upstairs when she sees a TV blinking update from District 8. She knows it is a broadcast just for the mayor, but she goes and looks anyway. It cuts to footage of a riot in District 8. Katniss has now seen what an uprising looks like. And that's the end of our chapters. Yeah, like... You you saying like like not much happens. These are quite short chapters, mm -hmm. but we cover like a long span of time here, um, right? And and I guess we we leap from sort of one story, uh, uh, or like like set of norms to another like really quickly in these in this pair of chapters. Mm -hmm. Other like just just right off the bat. I'm a little sad. I'm a little sad that we're not getting our road trip movie. I know. It's so sad. When I got to that part where it was just like, and then we went to all the districts. I was just like, no. Yeah, yeah. Please. I was really bummed about that. 
What did, what did you think overall? I, I guess I the because we have like this sort of like two chunks big story leap thing going on here. I would you would you agree that this is one that we can sort of just take kind of piece by piece all over the place? Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm ready to keep reading for sure, but now I'm like. I think I think it's gonna be another Hunger Games, right? Mm-hmm. I like like I was I was hoping for um, the middle chapter train ride, so I'm like a, just a little let down. Yeah, I I think there's some really cool stuff in here, and I think that the characters are are in a really fun spot by the end of this. Um, but I am definitely feeling a little disappointed that we're getting that it seems like we've got the hunger games designer here at the end he's designing the new hunger games it seems like the design of the new hunger games might be we're putting katniss back in it probably that would be my guess (laughs) it better not be (laughs) which is a real bummer because i was so excited for like the capital slash pen m book yeah, I mean, maybe it's going to be a mentorship book, right? She's mentoring someone through the Hunger mm, Games. That could be fun if she's sort of in the Haymitch hot seat for the re- for the rest of the book. Yep. I could yep. see that. Yeah, if we get, like, a fun cast of people they're training and, like, them having to, like, you know, not radicalize them or something. Like, they really want to. But <laughs> there's some fun stuff in there, maybe. Mm-hmm. It feels like we really brushed through some like super important stuff with what's going on in the districts that I would have liked to have seen in more detail. Mm -hmm. There's like one paragraph really where it just sort of concludes the tour part of the story um, that mentions that eight, three and four, which are the districts where she killed the tributes from, right? Uh, Maybe. Yeah, because yes. that's where that's where she learns who what Marvel's name was and stuff, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like I am a little bummed that we didn't get at least a chapter there. I would have liked to have, like, like for as for, for one, I think that the District Eleven chapter was sort of a whiff. Mm-hmm. I I would love you know if we're doing the 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 epic dinner tour through throughout the land I would have loved the awkward comedy of manners one where she has to have a fancy dinner with the losers yeah it would be more interesting to me to see her like deal with like Cato's family right because like their kid got killed yeah, their kid died in like the most insane way possible he got eaten by werewolves and then shot in the head like. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I want I want to see Katniss like there's the um uh there's the really great bit at the end of the second Jason Bourne movie where he goes to like the sister of the guy he killed in the first one and he, and he just has this really awkward like meeting with her where he's like, "Well, I'm sorry about that." And she's like, "Okay, please leave." <laughs> uh, and I want that I want that for the Hunger Games a little bit here. Yeah, I mean like the fact that we got to see the District 11 stuff, it's like we got to see the stuff that Katniss is, like, least conflicted about. Yeah. So it comes across as, like, the least interesting. Yeah. Whereas I could see her be being conflicted or having some, like, new thoughts about having to see Cato's family and, like, reconciling that between, like, her herself in the Hunger Games versus herself outside of the Hunger Games, right? 
Yeah, and and the the two like there was some uh, absolutely some awkwardness that like prompted her her big speech in District Eleven because she had a lot of like uh, strong feelings about how Rue died and Thresh dying. Right, like she she has complicated, but I I would say like righteous feelings about that. Right, because she mm-hmm. didn't kill them, and I would have loved to have seen a sort of mirror to that where she had to do the same thing for the people that she kind of didn't have that many qualms about killing in the moment. Right. You know, how would she deal? What was her speech to Marvel's district? Like the guy who she like quick drew her bow on and killed instantly. I want to know more about her character through those feelings, I guess. This, these books really aren't about what it's like to be in a battle royale, are they? No, you're, yeah, there, there's <laughs> all these, like, really juicy, dark, emotional places that I would love and sort of expect the book to go that it doesn't really. Yeah. The closest we got, funnily enough, like, I still think one of my favorite scenes in this book so far has been learning about PETA's fucked up Francis Bacon paintings. Yeah. I want to get in the heads of the guys who have to kill each other in the murder game a little more. That's, that's... Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, because a futility to the whole thing that I think is sort of talked about, but, like, because we're, all, like, we're in the, still kind of in the early chapters of book two out of three here, we're already doing, like, the revolution, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is just because I, I like a story that's dark and fucked up and sad and nasty, but I would have liked a little more, like, the futility of existing in this system story first. Right. Because that's what The Hunger Games is. Like, that's yeah. what, that's what it's a metaphor for, surely. I, I don't know. I Like, this, this is more a personal taste thing than an actual criticism, but I was like, aw, we've already got the Glorious Revolution happening? Boo, I want to see some more suffering. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of funny because, like, Katniss acts like she, like, the, the I mean, she even says, like, the the pod is bubbling over, right? And mm-hmm. it, I, and I don't, this can't, can't be the case, but she kind of acts like she made the pot boil and it's, like, not, not real, like, you were the, <laughs> you were the last straw, right? Yeah. Realistically. I'm very curious how that stuff's gonna, like, like, who Katniss is to a revolution I'm very curious about because the district that's going nuts at the end uh, on the TV, I think is district eight is it? Yep. Yeah. Cause it's updates from district eight, which is I think where Marvel came from. So it's, it is one that like, I guess at least in the way that Katniss describes the, the tour um, felt a little more awkward. Um, I hate to say it, but Marvel is from district one, which oh. makes it like not, this is not helpful. The The Hunger Games wiki, I, 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 I hate to say, uh, really not helpful. Just tell me who the, who the tributes are. <laughs> oh, District 8, like, was, was not even one of the named guys. Nope, it is Tribute Boy and Tribute Girl. Yeah, it's literally one of the ones who, who got owned in the cornucopia at the beginning. Okay. Uh, th- th- that, that only makes me want the dinner with Kato's parents seen more if if, mm-hmm. if, if, if if this isn't them rebelling. Yeah. I don't know. The revolution stuff in general, like the, what, what's with the, uh, the Mockingjay stuff? I can't tell whether this is 
the revolution the, the revolutionary symbol already being co-opted type thing by trends like is this a is this a che, Gra- che Guevara shirt joke or is this like these people are all secretly members of some some organization for her I think I'm gonna call it is there's like a secret organization with hologram watches I'm like 99% sure the hologram watch thing is so I one I was like ooh a watch yeah that's right <laughs> But like, second of all, I'm how how revolutionary can a game maker be? Is that where this is going? And how is it going to handle that? Yeah, because unless he's making a tunnel for the tribes to escape in the, <laughs> under the arena, then I'm not sure. Yeah, we're in sort of a weird spot with the with like the metaphor at the moment. Like you, when we were discussing this chapter, you you were bringing up the the stylists, and mm-hmm. I think that that's another really good point of just like, where are we going with this, right? Like, <laughs> who who is who is trapped in the system with no you know no no alternative, and who is completely one hundred percent culpable for the Hunger Games? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I said to you was, like, there's this whole sequence where they, like, learn about the vomit juice, right? Like, they're like, oh, you don't have to stop eating. You can just go throw up and then eat more. That's what everyone's doing. And then PETA, like, walks away to Katniss and is like, just when you think you can start to like these people. And I'm like, dog, they put you in the Hunger Games. These guys' jobs is to, like, make you look cool before your interview about the murder game that you're stuck in. (laughs) Also, you're, like, children. Like, I don't think there was ever a point where I was like, hmm, the stylists, I could be friends with them. Like, whoa. (laughs) Like, they're certainly a little more well-rounded as characters now, but, like... And, and 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 what's worse is, I think, if you follow that thread down and it's like, oh, Cinna and his stylists are are secretly planning something good, you know, they're they're secret good guys, or this game maker. I mean, like this is all speculative, right? But like, oh, this 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 game maker is a secret good guy good guy and he's he's got a meeting with the the revolution. It's like, look, I love a good embedded spy story Mm -hmm. i mean i i guess i guess take what you can get if you're trying to like get rid of president snow but also like can we call cinna an ally really or or the stylist whose job it's been to make tuxedos for the the hunger games participant i'm just very curious where all that's going right like do do you feel like there's just a weird disconnect between what the metaphor clearly is with all the like American excess culture stuff and the fact that the Hunger Games is like happening to the citizens of Pan Am. Mm-hmm. The thing that Susan Collins describes inspiring the Hunger Games, which is like seeing that sort of thing on TV and then changing the channel and seeing like Afghanistan or the war in Iraq, is that America was responsible for both of those things, but one was pop culture and the other was a war happening somewhere else that you didn't have to think about. Right. And you should have been, th- you know, like, 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 like we should have been thinking about it. And there is absolutely a, like a, a darkness there to everything in American culture, which is like propped up by, you know, pick a decade and, and some like some atrocity, but like 
the thing that makes it easy to ignore and the thing that makes it such a like queasy horrible rock to turn over is that like you don't think about it right like like it is happening elsewhere so you don't have to think about it and Peta's reaction where he's like oh just when i thought i could like these people is such a 2000s like oh just when i trusted the democratic party they voted for the iraq war you know you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah there's no other being subjugated to maintain this lifestyle it is just the people in Panem, which also happens, and I think that this, this this put the final piece of the puzzle together for me of like what bothers me about all the District Eleven stuff in the previous chapters, mm-hmm. which is that this sort of thing does happen in, in America, in that like the government just does outright terrorize its own citizens, but we're talking about like racial violence which mm-hmm. doesn't ex- seem to exist or at least like isn't recognized in Panem. So it's like it, these are two halves of completely different metaphors not fitting together. Right. We have the imagery from a story about racist subjugation that the American government does to its own people where nobody involved in the story can say that or even recognizes it. And then we have characters reacting to being put in the Hunger Games and having horrible, <laughs> being subjected to horrible, you know, being made to fight for the entertainment of the people, the way that people react to wars that they have no control over happening else to prop up American society. Like, like these, these are just two completely separate things that are, like, real observations, but don't fit together. These are two different stories. Right. Anyway, yeah. like, sorry to go so long on that, but I was just like, th- this really set a light bulb off in my head of like, oh, I get why this shit bothers me in this book. Yeah, no, I think that's really well put. And I'm still, like, interested in seeing where it goes, but it, but it's just so funny to see PETA be like, damn, not not only does he go like damn i just when you think it's it's fine he then jumps to like somebody should do something <laughs> <laughs> which is really really funny <laughs> he gets radicalized incredibly fast for someone who forgot he was in the hunger games yeah and it's about like uh, celebrities throwing up is what radicalizes him yeah right which isn't even again not the same thing the pop culture <laughs> Beauty standards are not the same thing as, like, deploying a surge of troops to to, to Iraq, right? These are two completely separate ideas. At least he got there, you know? Um, Do you like that when they bring up the throw-up juice that there's, like, a little disclaimer in there where Katniss is like, and they're not even mentally ill and they're doing this? Yeah, well, yeah, that was so funny, because it's like, that. that's peak, like, I know that this is sort of ga- crass and offensive, um, but I'm putting it in anyway. <laughs> so I... <laughs> <laughs> type CYA. I love I love that Katniss can determine that. Oh, they're not mentally ill, by the way. It's fine for me to <laughs> be mad the, about this. They have the symptoms, but <laughs> that is so fucking funny to me. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm allowed to be mean about this. <laughs> <laughs> I've determined that they're doing this for bad reasons and not understandable reasons you don't have to be sympathetic to it that's right oh yeah that was that whole thing i i found very um not offended but bored type stuff you know what i mean Mm -hmm. where it's like yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, here it is. And here in the capital, they're vomiting for the pleasure of filling their bellies again and again. Not from some illness of body or mind. Not from spoiled food. It's what everyone does at a party. Expected. Part of the fun. Okay, but they're not mentally ill. Don't worry. We can we can say this. You can sort of like see the mental math there of like, uh-oh. <laughs> How do I seem like I'm not, like, being really cruel to people with eating disorders? Uh, well, they have them in the bad way. i not personally that offended, but very bored. Just very, like I said, this is, like, the most, oh, this was written in 2007 that it's mm-hmm. filmed so far. And then the stuff with the head game maker feels like it's just, like, out of a different story. To me, anyway, like, him showing up with his, like, hologram watch feels so corny. Not that the books aren't corny, but he, like, looks at it and Katniss is like, that's weird, must be nothing. Yeah, Katniss Katniss and Peeta both, like, have a really bad case so far in this book. Like, I I really went ham on praising Katniss's character development last time, but I I think I gotta roll back a little bit of that in that um, both of them have stupid-when-it's-convenient disease. Mm-hmm. Katniss being as paranoid as she is, quite rightfully, about everything happening to her. Katniss realizing, you know, when 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 uh, President Snow shakes his head, uh, that she's she she wasn't able to do what he wanted. Being worried enough that she's planning like her own little like off the grid escape house already, and to then like not have really anything to suspect about the guy showing up and going, hello, I'm Mr. Important B Story Matters. Here's my watch (laughs) with your symbol on it. Anyway, gotta go. And her just being like, huh, must be... Must Must have been the wind. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, I don't buy her not being paranoid about that. She could be paranoid in like a wrong way, but she should be paranoid about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Although, rolling back a little bit, what did you think of President Snow's appearance in these chapters? He's so cool. He's so fucking awesome. (laughs) He's the ultimate evil gentleman. He is. The head-shaking scene, amazing. I think my favorite scene in these chapters. But, like, how about his, like, really, really nasty, creepy, like, oh, we're gonna ask your mom if it's okay for you to marry, haha, all that stuff on TV. It's so good. It's so, oh, I hate him. I hate, I love to hate him. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. Does it make you want to read the prequel novel? Yeah, I, like, I, I will read anything with more President Snow. Yeah. Um, he is the highlight. The villain, anytime it's, like, I think it's when, honestly, when Katniss's character shines the most, too. Mm-hmm. Because she, like, really gets her guard, like, wrecked when he's around, and she, like, starts being less rational, and she knows that he's evil, but he's, like, a very polite and commanding evil. It's just, I, mm, amazing. Whenever they're together, the story is at its best, I think. Yeah. And I would I would love to see more of him. I don't know if I, like, would love to see him as, like, a teenager, which is what I think that the prequel novel is, but at the same time, it's like, maybe he was always that cool. Yeah, maybe. Oh, we also get a lot of Effie in this chapter. What do you think of Effie at the moment? I love her. She seems like they, she's like completely a joke character in this book. Yeah. Do, would you agree that they're like making her a little dumber in this one? Yes, they have flanderized her somehow because she's not in the first book very much. So here's my conspiracy theory. 
it really feels like we're trying to like reposition Effie into a into a space where like she could turn out to be good or like turn good and not have the audience go like, well, wait a minute, she did XYZ insanely evil thing. Right. Because it, it feels like this chapter especially really tries to make her less aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And she's like just the secretary. Cause she doesn't even like know what happened in district 11 and they don't tell her. Right. If someone's got to turn good from, from the insanely evil murder factory side, I want Effie. Yeah. We need to have the moment where she says they do what in the hunger games. <laughs> I thought they were just knocking each other out. <laughs> there there's there's the bit where she like so she doesn't know what happened in district 11 there's the insanely funny bit where she's like oh i'm i'm something of an expert in architecture which is really funny <laughs> uh-huh. and then talks about how like ruins are really in this year or whatever mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff where it just seems like we're making her more of a joke character but I'll take it if that means that we get her on on Katniss's side. Yeah, I like her. Yeah, I like I like her a lot in these. And I also I, I think also lending some like maybe maybe some credence to this is that um she does mention that Katniss's speech to District Eleven was beautiful. Yeah. So she doesn't like get mad at Katniss for having politics. She's like, oh, that was so wonderful. So maybe she's gonna get turned. I don't know. Yeah. On the flip side, how do you feel about Cinna after this one? Evil. <laughs> Evil bad. He his his is the one his is the job that's just too far. Him and the stylists. I'm just like you can't you can't make these guys good. Do not believe his lies. Yeah. I'm hoping I'm still holding out for for bad guy Cinna. Mhm. What else? We could talk about PETA. I, I guess I made my thoughts clear in my <laughs> yeah. summary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's losing a lot of boyfriend points with me for being the whiny little bitch throwing things because he's, like, pissed off. I hate that shit. <laughs> yeah, he stinks. There is a moment in this chapter where I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe he's he's still all right because he, he, he gives a, like, decent-ish apology at one point where he's like, um, it's not like I've never hid anything from you or whatever. But then like five pages later, he's already being stupid again. So I think that he's just yeah. like, okay, I can't, I can't take, take this guy at his word ever. Yep. I love his, pa- he should, he should channel that rage into his paintings and make them scarier. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I get he's mad or whatever, but like just looking at it through the lens of boyfriend points. No. Exactly. No. What did you think of um, Peter and Katniss uh, sharing a bed platonically? Oh, <laughs> I mean, for one thing, <laughs> Peter's boring. Yeah. Peter's boyfriend points are still in the toilet after his almost. He, he made sort of a recovery last week, but kind of threw it all, all the way this week. Mm-hmm. I think that they're decent scenes, but I. Um, <laughs> so, you know how a while back we were talking about the like checking your watch move? Yeah. I'm doing the checking my watch move reading that stuff because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, me too. Is the romance, when's the romance starting? You know, I'm just like, well, what are we doing here? Um, every, every moment she has with Gail is so much more electric than anything with PETA. And this is like a very, yes. like the concept of what's happening here, I think, is very sweet. 
but like if if this book is trying to trying to get me to buy into like oh the fake romance is becoming real i'm not bought in i'm checking my watch it doesn't help that it, none of that stuff is like actually a scene right it's all like katniss going like oh yeah by the way me and pita have been sharing a bed um but but platonically and it helps helps with the rumors like we don't actually get any like awkward moments or like oh like, are we really doing this? Or, like, Katniss in the moment thinking about how PETA might be conflicted about it or, like, be like, oh, I just am here for comfort, but he actually is in love with me and that's sort of weird. It's just, it is just like a Katniss going like, oh, by the way, we're doing this. Yeah. That whole section feels like that, honestly. Kind of perfunctory. Mm-hmm. The, just just moving through some stuff that we need to know without any like flourishes. I, yeah, you're right. Like not having any conflicting feelings from Katniss or PETA or like a, a scene actually happening in the moment between them. Just, just getting to read that as almost like stage directions is like, or, or like a star Wars, like opening crawl, like PETA and Katniss <laughs> have been sharing a bed, but platonically it's just, it's a little like, Oh, Okay. This seems like it would be yeah. like a big deal for both of them. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, Katniss is so dumb. Like she, I love her, but the part where where she's like talking to Hamish and she, she like tells the idea of them getting proposed, and then Peta like mopes off, and she's like, "Hamish, hey, I thought that he wanted to marry me. Like, what's <laughs> what's the fucking problem?" Yeah, yeah, I, I. That her being that oblivious makes me wish that we had gotten a real scene in that moment even more. Mm-hmm. Like she, like having her just like completely deadpan, not picking up on signals or not noticing how upset Peta is at the st- Like I would have loved that, but we just sort of gloss over it in a way that's a little, a little too fast. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it is like representative since she is the narrator, representative of like where it ranks in her mind, right? She's just like, oh, by the way, we're doing this, but whatever. But that doesn't really work when I think I'm supposed to be bought into PETA as like a romantic lead because now I'm just like, yeah, whatever, PETA, go away. (laughs) When's Gail coming back? If if you want to write a love triangle, one of the members of the love triangle can't be, yeah, whatever. Uh, Right? It need, yeah, all all points on the triangle need to be like equally distributed. I think for that to be fun. Mm-hmm. There's a similar scene where she like kind of breezes through her friendship with Madge, mm-hmm. where which is a weird thing. Like that felt so like perfunctory. Like, well, I've got to establish that that Katniss would be in the room with the TV where this news happened thing, mm-hmm. which I didn't need, by the way. Yeah. Like, we're having a party at the mayor's house. I'm a celebrity. They're having me get ready to get ready upstairs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of unnecessary work. And, like, I know Madge has some importance because Madge gave her the pin Mm -hmm. in the first book. But, like, Madge doesn't get too much to do here other than, than Katniss saying, like, oh, yeah, we're, like, closer friends now. And... (laughs) <laughs> there's like I, I i know that like this this is super not where the book is going um because why would it but like if if we're doing like oblivious romantic katniss here i would have loved for the madge relationship to be like completely torched because like th- the thing madge does for like madge gives her like a gold pin like solid gold 
right yeah on her way out and it just feels like a a very romantic gesture to me that cat is or even if it's not romantic like a very huge gesture for from madge and for madge to be this minor <laughs> character who's like oh yeah we're sort of friends it's so sad like either yeah. madge is like her best or madge wants to be her best friend or that's like the most romantic thing that she's ever done for someone and Katniss is just like, cool, thanks. And it's just like, oh, oh, I feel so bad for this character who I don't really know anything about. Yeah. I mean, even just like, even if it wasn't that much, like that big of a gesture, the fact that it has become this like huge symbolic thing for Katniss, both between the pin and like Rue's like little Mockingjay song and all of that. And then for her to just be like, oh yeah, by the way, I guess I became friends with the person that gave me the symbol that um, I've like based my, uh, my revolution around whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I hope we I hope we get to see some more of Madge because she she feels she feels like a real plot device at the moment. Mm-hmm. There's also a bit in this where I I I promise that I was not uh, I was not under the influence of any substances while reading the first chapter. I'm just this stupid. Where I got to the line uh, where she talks about like I one day when I visited to give Hazel the game and I was like. Wait, what game? Oh my god, me too. <laughs> I literally just like completely forgot about like game as in like hunting game. I read it I read it easily 3 times trying to figure out what the hell was going on, and I even was like did did Katniss like go buy like a chessboard at the black market and bring Like, I was like, I missed something. Absolutely. I thought the exact same thing. Okay, okay. I'm so glad. I feel a lot less... (laughs) I feel feel like I have some solidarity here. I was just like, the game? What game? Like... (laughs) She bringing, <laughs> she bringing like a copy of Halo Two over. Like what? What? what <laughs> yeah, me and Madge are friends. I mean, me, Hazel, and Madge, we play split screen Halo sometimes. It's not a big deal, but you know, it's fun. Like, <laughs> I, I genuinely was just like, the game, the game. Hazel just lost the game. What's going on here? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, right, game as in. You killed some rabbits or whatever. Got it. Yep, me too. <laughs> okay, I'm glad I'm not alone. <laughs> oh. uh, shall we open some packs? Yes, please. Okay. What are we hoping for again? Um, so we what are we missing? We still need a few um, of the poster cards, the ones that just say Hunger Games and have like part of the poster on it. Yeah. Um uh I think that's the goal we're closest to. We don't have any fun character cards. We've gotten a few because oh, the thing is there's if you remember, there's the split between the scene cards, which are all called mm-hmm. things like Katniss Everdeen, Katniss Everdeen. Um, and then the character cards, which are also called Katniss Everdeen, but have like a paragraph about them. Yeah, I love the paragraphs. We need we need a paragraph about President Snow. That's my like grail right now, I think. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the real crazy thing is that this the, the there's the signed Susan Collins card, but I you know right that's that's a one in a million blue moon chance. But uh, so let's take a look at pack number one. We've got the Hunger Games. Ooh, we have a new poster card. I think we're getting close. Ooh. We're getting close on the poster cards. 
we have Katniss and Gale. We have uh, Effie Trinket. Ooh. Oh, but not a character Character card? card? No. Oh, damn it. No, it's a scene card. Um, but uh, hey, that's something. We, we like Effie. Mm-hmm. Uh, ooh, we do have a character card here. Um, we nice. have Katniss Everdeen. Uh, Katniss Everdeen is the protagonist of the Hunger Games. <laughs> true. <laughs> that is so true. After her sister Prim was chosen to participate in the 74th Hunger Games, Katniss volunteered to take her place as the female tribute from District 12. Pretty cool. All right. And then we have Thresh, but that's a scene card. And then we have Mrs. Everdeen character card here. Uh, I think we got this one before. Mrs. Everdeen is a healer by trade and the mother of Katniss and Prim. After her husband died in a mine... Yeah, because it says mine collapse. Wrong. Wrong. It was not a mine collapse. It was a mine explosion. (laughs) Okay. Pack number two. Let's crack this bad boy open. We've got... Uh, another Thresh scene card, another Katniss Ever- uh, Everdeen scene card, another checklist. That is such bullshit. I, mean, I know we can. That is uh, such uh, bull. One of the cards can't be the checklist. Come on. Uh, okay, we had four Katniss Everdeen scene cards in that one, and the checklist. Like the same one, or are there multiple ones. like different ones? Okay, okay, okay. Um. <laughs> So is the signed card, is there, like, one of them? Like, for the whole run of these cards, they made one? I don't know. Or are there know. multiple? I, there, I think there must be multiple, because there was, like, one on eBay, and it, like, wasn't that expensive. Like, it wasn't nothing, but it was, like, not, like, oh my god, one-of-a-kind pricing. You know what I mean? Um, let me, sure. Let me pull that up really quick. Uh, Maybe nobody knows about it to want it. Uh, yeah, it's 200 bucks. So, like, you know, not, not cheap, but, uh... So we could make 100 bucks each, is what I'm hearing? (laughs) We raise $100 each. It's, it's like slabbed. They, uh, they really... Whoever had this took care of it, for sure. Damn. Um. They gotta get that graded. Yeah. I think. Oh, I think it might be. Yes. Uh, trading card JSA. Yeah, it's JSA. God, that shit is so stupid. <laughs> Can't wait to take our card to get graded. Oh my god. Authenticated <laughs> by the JSA, and the card will be accompanied by the certificate of authenticity. Awesome. Okay, let's see. Our next pack here is Katniss and Gale. Another Mrs. Everdeen character card. She's quite popular, wow. I guess. Uh, and the same Thresh scene card, another Katniss Everdeen character card, uh, an Effie Trinket, but it's another scene card, and a, Damn. P- and a poster card. We can do one more? Want to do one more? Yeah, because now, now, now that I've seen the signed Suzanne Collins card, <laughs> I'm like, I just want to keep cracking packs. I, I, it's, it's, it's so tempting. We have the, okay, we have the Peta and Katniss scene card. We have, ooh. I think, wait, that's another new poster card. I think we might have done it. Let me double check our our poster card pile here. Um, Right. Okay, no, we need two more. We are two away from finishing the poster. We are so close, though. Uh, Let's look at the rest of this pack. We've got Cadison, Peta, poster card, another Effie Trinket, 
character or not a character card. Oh my god, this is another one that's like the same uh, pack again. That's so funny. Ugh. Like like almost the exact same order of cards again. Maybe these have all been box mapped uh, for the Suzanne Collins uh, <laughs> signature card. Oh, there's one different card in here. We have Clove. Um, okay. Kato's equally skilled counterpart. Clove is a master knife thrower who envies Katniss's high training score. I think we already got that one. Damn. Yeah. Well, we're getting closer on the poster, but uh, kind of a bust otherwise this week. Yeah, yeah. We could do one more. Yeah, let's do one more. We love cracking packs here. We do. Um, okay, here we go. Last pack. Katniss and Cinna scene card. Evil. One of the two poster cards that we need. Ooh, exciting. So we need one more. Uh, Katniss Everdeen, another fucking checklist card. That is such, I, I'm writing a letter. That is such bullshit. Um, <laughs> Thresh scene card, and then a Rue character card. The female tribute from District 11 in the 74th annual Hunger Games. Rue is similar in size and demeanor demeanor to Katniss's sister Prim. Small and bird-like, two words. Rue's agility allows her to move silently through treetops. Two words. That that would not be what I would write, but... (laughs) Although I guess it's, like, mean to be, like, was killed. Yeah. Was killed horribly. But that was sort of what she got to do in the book, is get killed. Ah, we're so close to the poster, at least. That's something. We've almost got yes. the poster, but but no Susan Collins card, and of course, uh, no no good, no, no well, no good. We, we, we want Effie and the president. Yes. But we'll have to wait until next time, unfortunately. Shall we take it to the close? Yeah. All right. Our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Mooch. Huge thanks, as always, for letting us use that as our theme song. You can find them on Bandcamp, and you can find us at patreon.com slash shriekcast. And Liz, what will we be reading next time? Uh, we will be reading chapter seven and chapter eight. I um, I miss having, like, chapter names. Yeah. Yeah. We've only we've got we've got like act names, um, but we're not we don't have chapter names. That was like a one. Wait, what what is the act name that we're reading right now? Uh, it is the spark. Yeah, the spark that lights the fire, etc. Yeah, exciting. We we need those for all the chapters though. What would you what would you have called this chapter? Chapter five. There was only one bed. <laughs> um, <laughs> chapter six. Um. Vomit juice. Woo! Yes. All right. Perfect. No notes. Thank you. All right. Uh, well, until next time, happy Hunger Games. Happy Hunger Games. But there's a lady in there, makes ocean raw seem tame. But I know what you're after if you catch her eye. Because this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.